Hi everybody, I'm Bill Whittle here with my friend Alfonso Rachel. This is the Virtue Signal where we try to make some sense out of uh, the politics of the day and uh, sometimes things we look at aren't so cool and sometimes they're wonderful and other times there's a way to turn uh, things that appear to be awful into things that are maybe not quite so awful. That's where we're going today. Uh, so uh, I've, I've been thinking about this idea of, of fire, wildfires, fires out in nature. There's nothing more horrifying than watching one of those things. I, I, I've seen the fires in California, but when I was much younger in Florida, there was a fire in the Everglades, and I got within a couple hundred yards of that. And you can't look at a big fire because it's the, just because the heat is too strong on your face. Uh, watching things burn, watching houses burn, uh, is horrifying and fascinating uh, because you realize that something irreplaceable is being destroyed. And you're right about that. But in a search for perspective to, to, to help us in these extremely uh, challenging times, I came to the realization that, that as far as nature is concerned, fire is what's necessary to create new life that, that, that put aside all of the messing around that, that humans have done, that the purpose in, in nature untouched of wildfires is to burn away all of this dead stuff so that new life can, can, can rise. And this, of course, is the, is the idea behind the, the, the firebird myth, the phoenix, the idea that something, that something new that rises in the ashes of its destruction. And for those of us looking out into the cultural landscape and seeing things burning, I thought I might talk with you for a little while about this idea that, that you can watch something burn and be horrified, and even worse than watching something burn is coming to the place the next day and seeing everything just blackened and gone. That's an emotionally devastating feeling, and many of us are feeling that right now. But when you come back to this place next year, what you find is you find some green shoots there. And if you come back in two or three years, you find uh, a completely green rebirth when the stuff that burned in the first place burned because it was dried out and dead. Am I, uh, am I reaching too far here? Or do you think maybe there's some truth in that? Oh, definitely, man. It's, it, you know, man, whenever there's a, like, a, you know, especially around here, we get those summer fires. and um, Man, but when I smell that fire, <clears throat> man, it smells great. I I love I, I love the smell. And, no, it does. And and it's and it messes with my appreciation of it though, man, because we like, man, man, this is something's burning, man, and it smells like really good. And I'm like, yeah, it might be somebody's. It might house. be somebody's house, you know, somebody's life, so, yeah. somebody's dreams. And I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and 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 my heart goes out to that, man. And but I I know what you, I hear what you're saying. It's Especially like when I think about my stuff, man, I got some really nice gear, you know, and I'm like, man, it's, it's sometimes that feeling just hits you like, you know, when, when you might be off at a distance and you see that black smoke coming up and it might be coming from your area. It was like, oh no, not my no, stuff. Oh my God. You know? And, and sometimes it is. And, and, but the operative word here, I, I think that, I think that you dropped in there is restore. Right. And when we're looking at, if, if I can, if, if I can assume that you're kind of applying this analogy, if you will, even though it's 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 a real dynamic, um, to like say, for instance, what's going on with our country? You know, one hundred percent. I'm using it as an analogy okay. for that. Yes, it looks like um, 
you know, our, our, our country's got, you know, maybe at some point that misery index will kick in the way they did with Carter and people be like, hey, okay, enough of this. All right. Four years, you're done. Okay. Well, somebody- <laughs> I'm convinced that's happening before our eyes, but right now we're still looking at burning or we're waking up the next day and looking at everything being black and charred. Yes. Yes. You know, and you know, you know, the Lord is, is referred to as, as an all consuming fire. Right. Sometimes fire is necessary to, to purify things. Sometimes it's like God's like, look, man, I tried to be nice about this, man. I did it with water the first time. Okay, I tried to clean this whole thing with the bath of my wrath and I flooded the whole world. You knucklehead still didn't get it, came back, still did the same thing. All right, next time I have to do this fire, I'm gonna have to do this hard way. I'm gonna have to bring some fire. I'm coming after y'all with a flamethrower. All right. So it's it's one of those things where we see that even fire may be something that's that's necessary. We see that God has made these judgments by fires uh, in, in doing certain things. Uh, the altar of the tabernacle that's pointing to, to Yeshua, who is going to be the one who is going to bring this kind of judgment, this, this, this altar that is made that has to be kept lit to, to, to provide these atonements over and over again for what people are doing, to, to renew us of what, what, what has been done. These things that we just keep doing over and over again, when the message is right there, these preventative measures that, hey, you don't want it. You don't want this to happen. You do this. All right. It's even a doctor will tell you, hey, sometimes the best prescription for thing is preventative measures. Don't do that. So you don't have to take the medicine. All right. So you don't have to deal with this inflammation burning your body down, you know, and that's what we're kind of in a state of right now. Bill, we're the, 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 the nation is in a state of inflammation. The world's on fire. Right. Yeah. Is we got a serious fever going on, man. And this fever ain't coming from COVID, you know. And so what are the things that we could do? you know, to, to prevent these things from happening. But as it is, like you said, we're looking at this big wall of fire, you know, and you ain't, ain't, ain't enough garden hoses available to, to go ahead and take this thing on. Um, but to extinguish it per se, there are things that we're going to have to examine about ourselves, not change our principles, but to change the way that we approach it. You know, we don't want to be uh, flammable aspects of it. We don't want to uh, to add, you know, to the flames of it. And so there's certain things that we have to assume that we can do. And and um, what what am I trying to say here? Assume that we can do and inspire other people, you know, to do the same thing. Not change our principles, change the approach. Yes, and this is where I'm going with this, because in times that are as as uh infuriating and and depressing and and shocking as the ones we live in now. Uh, What I'm trying to do here with this episode is I'm trying to provide not perspective on what's going on in the fire, because everything's burning and there's nothing nice about that. I'm trying to provide some sort of time perspective. For example, I could walk you to a really beautiful uh, piece of shoreline in Alaska, pristine and gorgeous. And you could look around and say, wow, isn't nature wonderful when we leave it alone? Well, that particular piece of shoreline would be exactly where the XL Valdez spilled all its oil back in the 80s, I want to say. And if you had been standing there on this exact same spot two or three days after that, there would be nothing but dead birds and dead fish and black sludge and, and, and to the horizon. And you would be filled with despair. It's only after time has passed, that you realize the power of recovery, the power of regeneration, despite the fact that uh, that it's a horrendous thing to deal with. Oil does, in fact, break down. It's a, it's, it's a hydrocarbon. It's a carbohydrate. It's hydrocarbon, carbohydrate, back and forth. It breaks down. And, and 
that part uh, was, I think it was Prince William Sound, I want to say, up in Alaska, is now pretty much pristine. And certainly in another hundred years it will be. And in the several billion years remaining to the earth, there will be no trace of what was once so catastrophically awful. I'm not trying to mitigate or, or say that the things that are uh, choking under this black sludge or, or, or burning in front of our eyes, I'm not trying to say that there's nothing to worry about. Hey, be cheerful about it. I'm not trying to say that at all. It's horrific and painful and depressing and frightening. But what I am trying to say is when we stand in the middle of a burned out forest, or we stand on a shore of a, of a beach that's been covered with three or four inches of, of crude oil, we, in our minds, assume that this is how it is now going to be forever. That this thing that we used to love, where we had a house or, or something that we cherished, is now burned to the ground. And in that particular moment in time, we look at all its destruction, and as humans, we we say, it's gone and nothing will replace it. This is now what used to be a garden is now cinders. And we feel that loss. But what we don't do is we don't do what I'm trying to do here, which is to say that all of this is true, absolutely painfully, horribly true, but that it is possible, in fact, not only possible, it's pretty much certain that that even if you leave it alone, forget about trying to heal it, even if you leave it alone, the damage will eventually be replaced by, by new growth, by new things, new living things. And, and when you get right down to it in terms of, of wildfire, not only is this kind of thing uh, survivable, it's necessary. And I've had that feeling quite a lot lately. Uh, the, the show I did this week on uh, moving back to America is called The Second Fleet. And the short, short, short form of it is that the fleet that was sunk at Pearl Harbor could not have defeated the Japanese because it was obsolete. If the, Pearl, if, the, if the fleet at Pearl Harbor hadn't been attacked and sunk on Pearl Harbor and just sailed out to meet the, the Japanese, it would have been sunk in, in no time. We had to lose that first fleet and the shock and horror of it caused us to create the fleet that eventually beat the Japanese quite soundly. The, the, the ships that we recovered from Pearl Harbor and put back into use later in the war couldn't keep up with the ships that we built as a result of the catastrophe. And I feel that very strongly now. I feel like that they're not going to succeed. I feel like they're not going to succeed and they know they're not going to succeed. I feel like, yes, th 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 we're going to win this thing, but casualties are going to get worse before they get better. Feel all of that. But I am... I am struck by the fact that so much of despair and confusion and, 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 and depression, disappointment, wonder, anxiety are, are, are based on where you stand in time. Prior to December 7th, Pearl Harbor was a beautiful place. On the day of December 7th, and for many years after that, it was a, it was a tomb, it was a graveyard, it was an oil spill, it was a, it was a, a, it was a nightmare. And now it's a beautiful place again. So keep in mind the nature of time to heal not only all wounds, but the possibility, and this is the thing I really do believe, the possibility that whatever it was that you lost to fire or whatever the case may be, can in fact be replaced and can be replaced as certainly in the case of Pearl Harbor and, and that first fleet can be replaced by something that is much, much better if we simply decide that that's what we're going to do. That's right, man. And, and, and you know, 
it's it's what it's the, the the thrust of the heartache is when these things burn down. And a lot of times, you know, these things may burn down for for just no good reason. You know, even if you can explain it, it still doesn't take away from the sting of it. You Lightning know, strike or whatever. You know? yeah, and you know what? Like we you know watching places, you know, businesses close up. You know, and it, it, on a sentimental level, places that you know, you know. My, my wife and I, you know, where we first met, you know, like or had our first date or had our first cup of coffee together or something like that, man. Like, you know, so many years ago, gone. It ain't there no more. For no and and, and chains that have been successful, in places, you know, the franchise that have been successful. So it's like, yep. this place closed? Really? Yep. So things like that. And just seeing these other places, places that, you know, we've hung out at, they're gone now. You know, um, and and the and the heart of, of it is, is that it's it's for no good reason. But this no good reason was somehow sold so effectively, you know, good marketing or good propaganda caused places to close up for no good reason, you know, yep. and that's a heartache in itself. And, and we have to, you know, hope that, hey, you know, are people going to be able to dial in and recognize truth and, and, and wake up and really be woke you know, not this kind of woke that they're talking about, these woke zombies, but like really wake up and say like, oh man, uh, yeah, as, as we talk about the emperor really ain't got no clothes on and look mm-hmm. at this and say, man, this ain't what it is. And, and really get sick of that. Out of this fire, you know, will we actually, because you know, there ain't no, as far as I know, there ain't no light without heat. But at mm-hmm. some point, can we actually get some light more than heat? Because a lot of people raising a lot of heat. We're not shedding a lot of light though. That's a weird thing in nature. You can't really do that. You know, but, and I'm not talking about the kind of light that's just so intense that it blinds people. I'm talking about a lamp of the people's feet so they can see where they're going and see what's going on, you know, and see what time it is. So I'm hoping that that light will go on with folks. And, you know, I, I like to think that's what we're trying to do is try to help provide that lamp and the light of truth to, you know, provide it for people's feet so they can see where they're going. And uh, because there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of heat out there, man. And it, and it, it is it is a light that is burning things down and after which, you know, we're hoping that I hope I hope the whole thing don't have to. I hope just only enough of burns, burns down where people are like, OK, 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 uh, we're going to have to start cutting down some old growth. This 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 old nonsense that's been going on. Right. That's exactly that right. stuff's got to be that's, removed. Right? right. And put the fire. That's break. the point I was trying to make. Yes. Get the. We, yeah. With the Pearl Harbor example, it's like the fleet that we were depending on to defend the country could not have defended the country. And it was sunk. And the fleet that we built as a result of that is so much more powerful mm that it it's simply it's incomparable you couldn't put the they could not sail together because the old ships that we had so much confidence mm-hmm. in that were the pride of our pacific fleet were were just plain obsolete we couldn't build the fleet of battleships we couldn't build the iowa class battleships and the essex class uh, aircraft carriers for those of you uh, who are into those kind of things? If we hadn't lost the old World War One style super dreadnoughts like Arizona and and Yorktown, they, they, we would have simply depended on these things, and 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 they were not up to the task. It's not fun to watch Pearl Harbor. It's not fun to watch any of this. I really like your example about restaurants because we have emotional attachments to places and things and all the rest of it. And when we see a restaurant close, for me, it's always sad. And when we see a restaurant we particularly like, it's especially it's especially sad. I was a big fan of Boston Market. I just loved the food there. Boston Market's gone. Mm. They replaced it with something called Sweet Green, which is, oh, Sweet Green isn't that California. <laughs> Actually, foods are pretty good. But the point is, is that is that the new restaurant can't open until the old restaurant closes. And even the place that you love so much 
more often than not, probably was only there because of the restaurant before it had failed. Mm. Um, I'm just trying to provide a sense of larger perspective to take some of the sting out of the time that we live in now, because this is an extraordinarily stressful time in this ongoing war that I'm convinced we're going to win. Uh, and to and to understand that that when wildfire burns through things, it's horrible to watch. It's horrible the day after, but four years after, it's really surprising. And ten years after, it's shockingly beautiful. Indeed, man. And you know, it, you mentioned um, you, you dropped in the word uh, dreadnought. You said these dreadnoughts. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thing, man, because when you say dreadnought, it means fear nothing, right? And what it means, yo. Know, so it's like, and that's. That's where we got to be, Bill. I'm not saying that, you know, oh, we're, we're all supposed to be about, you know, oh, we fear nothing. But really, you either respond to faith or you respond to fear, right? And that's a lot of what's happening to the country right now. Fear is being sold on, folks. And this is like, a, this is like one of the things that the Lord is always saying, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be fearing stuff, right? Kazakh, he shows me, he says Kazakh, which means take courage. And when you have that courage that's based in him, you have this response that is practical because when people are, are afraid of stuff, man, they don't, they often don't respond practically. Their response ends up with stuff like this, having to wear a mask or two or, 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 or getting injected with stuff that they don't really know what it is. But they're more afraid of what they've been sold than they're afraid of the people coming in. The, the ones who promoted the fear in the first place are now going to say, oh, but take this and it'll make you feel better. You know, these these responses to fear and this will contribute to the flames. And, and we would like to think that between us and, and our audience, we got perspective on that. And it's, it's territory that we would like to grow, not trying to grow our brand for the sake of making a name for ourselves. The word of God himself says, yo, I expect you to increase your territory. I want you to go in there. I want you to take Canaan. All right. So that's what we're trying to do. That's the objective. Not like I said, not trying to, you know, build a brand for ourselves, man. We're trying to do what we can to promote the principle of Kazakh. Take courage. Don't let fear be your God, you know, and, um, you know, respond to the faith. Well, if you're uh, if you Franklin Roosevelt talking about Pearl Harbor, uh, I think he. I, don't, I actually don't remember if this was in the wake of Pearl Harbor, whether this was a depression. I suspect it was after World War II started for us. But he said, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's precisely right. It's easy to say. It's not easy to do. But ultimately, it's like, if you don't surrender, you will win. Period. <laughs> and, and, and so the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. Now, if, if, uh, if Roosevelt's a little bit uh, too uh, pinko for you, you could go with the, the, the stuff that Frank Herbert wrote in Dune, which is a great movie, by the way. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death. It, it, is, it is the ability to instill fear in people is the most powerful weapon that evil people have. And they are, I was going to say their, their guns are blazing, but to be perfectly honest with you folks, I just caught myself. Their guns were blazing, not blazing so much anymore. Everybody can feel the tide is turning. Everybody can feel the defenses are starting to stiffen. Everybody can feel that we've had enough of this nonsense. And as they begin to realize that their single sneak attack great offensive has failed, then all of a sudden the morale tables will shift. The moment will turn. The board will tip. And, and, and then... We will uh, 
in our righteous fury, uh, come back and win this war. And, and I haven't got the slightest doubt about that at all. I have moments. I had a moment last week. But all of the, all of the big picture tells me that even in the, in the middle of a wildfire, the, the, the creation for something newer and better is being made despite the horror of having to watch it at that moment. That'll do it for this edition of the Virtue Signal made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com, um, many of whom joined us a year ago and, and who uh, have given us so much inspiration. Me personally, as I mentioned on the last show we did this week, the, the response to the show we did called Trapped, where uh, not only uh, you helped me out, but my friend Zoe gave me so much uh, fortification when I needed it. Uh, we're very grateful to all of you, uh, constantly grateful to all of you. And, um, and we're very, very glad you're here. So for Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next week here on The Virtue Signal.